Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Basilica as we gather to celebrate the Mass, an offering to God, asking Him for the graces we need, praying in thanksgiving, giving all glory and honor to the Father. Thank you all today for coming. I'd like to begin today with a little story that I recently heard. It's by the name of a man who is a coach whose name is Burt Russell. Burt Russell coached football for Georgia Southern University in the 1980s and was very successful, winning multiple championships year after year. This one particular year, he had a very young team. And as a team gathered, they were arrogant, they were cocky, they already thought they won the championship before the season started. And in the locker room, he start, started one practice this way, by bringing in a Georgia State Patrolman with a briefcase and a farmer in his bib overalls with a large sack on his back. Coach Russell nodded to the patrolman to step forward, and he did, and he opened up that briefcase, and out came this white bag of powder. And the coach looked at his players, and he says, does anyone know what this is? And they said, yeah, coach, yeah, we know what that is. And coach says, well, what is it? And the player said, it's cocaine. He said, how many of you are afraid of this. Coach, we're not afraid. It's all over campus. In fact, Johnny's little sister sells it to anybody who wants it. So Coach Russell nodded and had the patrolman put that baggie back into his briefcase and had the farmer step up with his bag over his back. And as he opened the burlap bag, what did they find? a seven-foot-live diamondback rattlesnake. And the players got up and started running to the doors, which the other coaches were blocking and had locked. And coach hollers out, who knows what this is? Coach, it's a rattlesnake. It's going to get us. Get it out of here right now, please. And Coach Russell said, how many of you are afraid? Coach, we're deadly afraid. Please get it out of here. So coach nodded to the farmer to put that rattlesnake back into his bag. And he had his men sit down and he taught them a lesson. He said that as the boys sat down, you're very comfortable with dangerous things and you're terrified of things that can harm and hurt your life for all eternity. He said, boys, do you realize that 0.0004% of people die every year from a rattlesnake bite? But millions of lives are destroyed by illegal drugs. Coach said, the bottom line is, fellas, if you do not know what will separate you from your goal, you are in a dangerous place to live. If you do not know what will separate you from your goal from heaven, you are living in a dangerous place today. And today's readings are all about marriage. And I get people that tell me, Father, the church needs to get with the times. 
No, the church is the guardian of truth. God is the institutor of marriage. He's the creator of human beings. And it's the church's responsibility to guard and safeguard his teaching. In fact, the children at Fatima were told by the Blessed Mother that the last great assault that the devil's going to have against humanity is an attack against marriage and family. I'll let you be the judge to see if that's happening right now. As we think about this, today, no matter if you're married 60 years or a month, we welcome you. And today's readings may make some people uncomfortable. But God has a message for all of you. And some of you are going to say, Father, I'm not married. Jesus says elsewhere in the gospel, not everybody is made for marriage. He tells us that. And that's why we have to understand what our Lord is trying to communicate today to each one of us. Because every one of us, whether we're married or not, is supposed to live in a spousal relationship with God, our loving Father. And that's why today's first reading is so beautiful. God just made creation and everything was good and very good. But one thing he says is not good. What is that thing that is not good? It's not good for man to be alone. You are created for another, whether it's your spouse or whether it's God, our loving Father. It's not good for man to be alone. The birds were good. The plants were good. The animals were good. Man was very good. But man was all by himself. And God makes a suitable helper and helpmate to help man to get to heaven. Ladies, how many of you want to be desired as a helper? Raise your hand. There isn't too many hands going up, guys. But if you think about this, a helper is not just to do the laundry, to fix supper. The, the helpmate is not just there to be a second fiddle. The helper is made for communion, communio with God our Father. And the woman was made by God, not from the head to rule, not from the heels to be a slave, but from the rib to be the equal in dignity to the man. A lot of things can separate us, and God could have done a lot of things to help man. Instead of making a woman, he did not make a Chevy pickup. He did not make a man cave that we can be full of luxury and pleasure. He did not make a lake home with a wakeboarding boat. He made woman as the helpmate to help that man because we are made for relationship. Folks, today I'm going to focus on three things that can potentially separate your goal in marriage or your goal to eternal life with God our Father in heaven. Both of these are spousal relationships. And these three things are going to come to us today from the first reading. 
And if you're struggling in your marriage, you need to look at these as your checkpoint. Number one, are you leaving? Number two, are you clinging? And number three, are you living as one? These are the things that the author of Genesis says we need to look at. And so many times when I do marriage counseling, these are three primary red flags if they're not solid in a marriage. And sadly in America today, one in every two marriages sadly ends in divorce. And if you're affected by that, I pray for you. I do. Because nobody has to go through it. And some people go through it and it's not even their own fault. And that's why the church has to be here to support you and to help you. Well, let's look at these three points. Number one, leaving. That means we give ourselves to another. We're not created for our ego. We're not created for ourselves. We're created for another. And what are some of the things that are hard to leave in a marriage? Past hurts. Infidelity. Worldly things need to be left behind. Some people believe they are marrying their mother because of the personality trait in the one they have found. And they don't marry for love. That's why we have to leave father and mother behind. That doesn't mean we forget about them either, on the other hand. That means we need to let go of everything that separates from our, from our love. Maybe you are bowed down with worldly things. And you turn to worldly things to fulfill you, rather than to your spouse, and you feel empty. That's why we need to run to God in a spousal relationship. Because it's only God who can fulfill our vocation, our dreams, our desires. The Lord left everything behind when he left heaven. Thinking of you and me in our spousal relationship. What do we need to leave behind to run to him? Number two, we are called to cling. What is this clinging about? It's about pursuing the needs of others. Some people are dying in their marriages of loneliness because their spouse never spends time with them. I'm reminded of a family of four girls in a former parish of mine. The girl was a senior preparing to leave for college. And as she left, she said, Father, I'm deadly afraid. I'm almost 18 years old and I still do not know my dad, even though he lives under the same roof as I do. And I looked at her and I said, why is that? She said he works two full-time jobs. He's never home. He's never come to my dance recital. He's never come to my volleyball match or any of my activities that I'm involved with. That's sad that a daughter would have to leave home after 18 years who doesn't feel beloved by her father. I assured her that God, her father, is her beloved. She needs to turn to him. And that's why when we cling, we got to pursue each other by spending time and affection. Jesus clung to his heavenly father. He turned to him for advice all day long, every day throughout the scriptures to see what the will of God would be. The third area, perhaps, that might separate you from your goal is becoming one. That doesn't mean I go here, she goes there, she goes there, and I go here. 
No, as you live as one, you got to go as one. You know, you go to the in-laws together. You go to the store together. Spending time with each other together. Yes, you take the kids together as a family. Why? Because when we live on our own, we want to do our own thing, feed our own ego, satisfy our own pleasure. And that's why we do not become two, but we go together. That means as one, we have one life, one vision, one dream, one hope, one aspiration. And the successful family are those that bring their children to the kingdom of heaven along with mother and father. This past week, we celebrated the feast of St. Therese. Her parents are canonized, Louis and Zelie Martin. Imagine three saints living in one family. For us, that might be hard to fathom, but it is possible when we become one and we live in one. I'd like to conclude today with a story a priest friend of mine had told me about a couple who had been married for 60 years. As they did their marriage preparation, the priest challenged that couple. He said, I want you to put two shoe boxes in your bedroom. And whenever you're angry at your spouse, I either want you to write them a note or do something to show your love and affection and put it in your box. And on the day you can no longer think you can take it anymore, you go grab your spouse's shoebox and you start looking at their messages of love. Well, this particular couple had been married for 60 years and they loved each other. And as they went one day, the wife became diagnosed with stage four cancer and about to die. Yes, they loved each other. So the husband asked his wife, is it okay if I go look at my shoebox right now because I'm really struggling with the idea of losing you? And she said, sure, mine is in the top shelf in our bedroom closet. So the man went and got the box and he opened it right beside her bedside. And he noticed that in her box, she had two crocheted dolls and $95,000 in that shoebox. So of course, he's looking for the letter, he's looking for the affirmation. So he asked her about, what are these two dolls? She said, every time I got married at you in these last 60 years, I went and I crocheted a doll to talk to Jesus while I crocheted about why I was mad at you. And the husband said, wow, you've only been mad at me two times in 60 years. She says, well, maybe not, maybe a few more, but these were two acts of love that I did for you. So the man asked the woman, where does the $95,000 come from in this shoebox? She said, that was for all the dolls that I sold. <laughs> We live in a selfish culture. We live where we think about ourselves, but we're made for communion. That's why in the Trinity we get the lover, the loved one, and the beloved. You and I are called to communion into the love of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, whether you are married or not.
I think today is a good day to decide how will I make my marriage happy? And it's a choice. Now choices can be made every single day. I can get up and say, you know what? I choose to be holy. I choose to be saintly. I choose to be a virtuous person. But if I never act on it, my choice is never going to be fulfilled. I could get up and say, you know what? I choose to be happy today. And I'm reminded of a story of a father and his daughter. The father would take his children to school every morning, his two daughters. And he'd get in the car and he'd say, Girl, what choice? Whose choice is it today to be happy? And both girls would respond. They would say, It's our choice. So the father, as they were driving to school, and he'd say to his daughters, And what will you choose today? And the girls would respond with the word happiness. Some days they were not happy with their father and they would not answer him in the car. So he'd park his car in front of their friends at school and he'd start over. Whose choice is it to be happy today? It's ours. And then he would ask, and what will you choose today? The response would be happiness. If we never act on anything, we're going to fall for everything. And that's why marriage today needs to be looked at. Because I think today, for you to have a happy, holy marriage, you have to work at it. I'm going to ask you men, when is the last time you've did anything in this last month to make your marriage stronger? You just don't show up and your marriage happens. You have to be intentional. And I think that is so important because if we do not choose it or act upon it, What's the end result at the end of the day? We are no stronger than we were yesterday. Today, God our Father is counting on you to be a witness to marriage in the world, to help those who are afflicted and needy, to reach out, to extend a hand to those who have been divorced. Now I'm going to offer my hand today one, last, one more time. If you've been divorced, I would love to help you to seek an annulment. An annulment is not a Catholic divorce. An annulment is saying, when I got married, there's not enough evidence that that marriage bond could seal. I have to prove that it was there before the marriage started. And I'd be happy. And if that is you sitting in the pews today, I encourage you to give me a call. You will not be shamed. You will not be frowned upon. All of us are called to be happy, but we're never happy until we do the will of God. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen.